So on May 20th of this year, I'd like to believe that the entire Southeast United States, and especially the state of Florida, we all took a deep breath in, and we exhaled. And then we said a prayer, or maybe two, because May 20th is when hurricane season began this year. And up until this point, we've been pretty fortunate. We've made it past A, B, and C, and then D decided to be a little bit of a show-off. We know that Hurricane Dorian is on its way, and as Pastor Tom said, many of us feel very fortunate that we are going to be uh, safe, or at least safer than we anticipated in the early models, but we know that many people are right in its path, and we will hold them in our prayers and uh, be, uh, be there for them in a lot of different ways in the coming weeks and months. But if your week has been anything like mine, uh, I spent it avoiding fender benders in the Costco parking lot, uh, trying to get gasoline and water before everyone else. I've had to work hard to keep my Christian patient face on as the guy in Publix cut me off and then beat me to the last thing of mashed potatoes inside this week. <laughs> We've been double checking our batteries, making sure everything is charged and that we were ready to go. And we did all of that, we're exhausted, we're tired, and then the storm isn't even here yet. It's been a long week, it's been a tiring week. But whenever I think about hurricanes or a big storm, for some reason my mind always runs to a particular hero of our faith, a man by the name of Noah. And that's who we're going to study today. We're going to hear the story of Noah, and we're going to see if there is perhaps some new things we can learn about his story that apply to our lives and to our faith today. And I know that the Spirit of God is present with us wherever you're watching from home, and my hope is that God will speak through me today in a new and fresh way that you could grow closer to God by hearing this story of Noah. Uh, There is no teaching notes this week in your bulletin. That's because I didn't know I was preaching until Thursday afternoon. Uh, So, but I do, I know many of you love to take down notes and follow along, take your bulletin home with you. So I invite you to write all over your bulletin, or if you got your Bible with you, uh, go ahead and open to Genesis chapter 6. That's where we're going to start our story today. So the first thing that we can learn about our life and our faith from Noah is this. We need to plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. You see, our story begins in Genesis chapter 6, and it tells us that the world had become sinful. The world had become more evil than it had ever been before, that violence filled the earth. There was corruption, and the people on the earth were wicked people. In verse 6, it even goes as far to say, the Lord was sorry he had ever made them. It paints a pretty vivid picture for us of what the state of our earth was like before Noah enters the scene. And then a few verses later in verse 9, it says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless man living on the earth. Noah was a person who walked with God and followed God each day of his life. And it's because of that that God told Noah what his plan was going to be, and that he also told Noah a way for him to survive and that he had a very important job for Noah to do. Noah was given this task, given this opportunity because of his faith. And we know that God told Noah 
you need to build a boat. You need to build an ark. And then he gave him specific dimensions and instructions. He said, I need you to build it out of wood. It needs to be 450 feet long. That's a football field and a half. It needs to be 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Now, I don't know if you've seen this or you know this, but uh, a group of people in Kentucky actually built the ark uh, to its actual size. I got a picture of it here. Uh, There it is. That is the exact size of the ark that Noah was instructed to build. Believe it or not, in Kentucky, this is considered a theme park, and you can get an annual pass and go to it as often as you would like. I'd like to think in Florida we got a little bit better amusement parks, but yay for the people of Kentucky. Uh, So this project was $100 million to build this and to put everything in it, and it's quite a, a testament and a visual to what Noah was asked to do by God many, many years ago where there were no such things as cranes and power tools. But yet, despite all of that, God showed Noah and gave him what he needed to accomplish the task, a task that must have seemed just way out of bounds, something he could never do, but yet because he put his faith and his trust in God, he was able to accomplish his task. So that leaves me with a question for all of us. What is an area of our lives that we need to begin preparing for? Are you nearing retirement? Are you preparing for a new family member? Do you, are you about to start a new job or start a new hobby? Are you planning a move? What is a part of your life that you are planning something or preparing something? And then I'll take it a step further and ask, are you involving God in the decision-making process? Are you walking with God? Are you talking with God? Asking God in prayer what your plan should be? Or are you making your plans on your own and then letting God know what you've decided? As Christians, we believe there's a correct way to do these types of things, to make plans and to make decisions. You've ever heard the phrase, whenever we make ideas and make plans, God laughs? We're to ask and involve God, we're to involve God and ask God to be a part of the plans we make. The second thing we can learn from Noah and the story is this do not listen to the critics, just get on with the job that needs to be done. Can you imagine being in Noah's shoes? having to build this ark in your driveway that would take up your entire neighborhood. I mean, think about this. I think we've all been in this position where we want to have a project at home. We want to do a fixer-upper. We put it on our garage or maybe our driveway or the backyard, and we're really proud about what we're doing. And then some neighbor or some friend sees what we're doing. They're walking along, giving you that eye, and then finally they work up the courage and they say, you know, there's a better way you could be doing that. And I'm the guy to tell you how to do it. We've all experienced that in some way or another. And I can't imagine what Noah must have felt like. Because the scripture tells us it had never rained before. The earth was taken care of from underneath the surface. So when he said, a storm is coming, they would have said, what's a storm? Why are you building an ark? Why are you doing these things? He must have been made fun of and picked on and laughed at. But yet he remained faithful, he kept his nose down, and he got on with the job that needed to get done. You see, there's going to be times in our lives where we have to do things we might not want to do. 
There will be times where we have to endure things we don't think we should have to endure or that just don't seem fair. I think Noah would understand that. But in Genesis 6, verse 22, it says, Noah did exactly everything as God had commanded him to do. You see, life rarely is fair. But when we claim that we are Christians and we believe in Jesus Christ, we're called to a higher purpose and to put our faith and our trust and our hope in God, even if we don't understand why we are enduring or doing some of the things that we do. Our faith leaves us with a lot of questions, but it also can push us to new places. (laughs) I'm just getting ready for February, (laughs) y'all. Okay, number three. The third thing we need and we can learn about Noah from our faith is this. Build your future on higher ground. I want to read now from chapter 7 in Genesis where we get into the next part of our story. We're going to start in verse 6. It says, Noah was 600 years old when the flood covered the earth. He went on board the boat to escape the flood, and he and his wife and sons and their wives. With them were all the various kinds of animals, those approved for eating and for sacrifice and those that were not, along with all the birds and small animals that scurry along the ground. They entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God had commanded Noah. After seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. Two by two, they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the doors behind them. For forty days, the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered even the highest mountains on the earth, rising more than 22 feet above the highest peaks. All the living things on the earth died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry the ground, and all the people. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth, people, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky. All were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat, and the floodwaters covered the earth for 150 days. Whenever I think about building my future on higher ground, I certainly think about this life, but I'm drawn more to thinking about the next life. Life in eternity with God. You see, I I put my faith and my trust in God, believing that God is preparing something far better for me than I could ever begin to imagine in this life. When we talk about building a better future, yes, we can create this image in our minds, in our society. We're told we can pick ourselves up, we can do anything, we can accomplish anything if we just work hard enough for it. And for some people, that is their story, but for the majority, that is not. I think the story of Noah reminds us that we have a far better future waiting for us if we put our faith and our trust in God. Have you put your faith in God? Have you put all of your trust 
and God's future for you. The fourth thing we could learn is this. When you're stressed, float a while. Let's go back to the Scripture. This time we're in chapter 8, starting in verse 1. It says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. The underground waters stopped flowing, and the torrential rains from the sky were stopped. So the floodwaters gradually receded from the earth. After 150 days, exactly five months from the time the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Two and a half months later, the waters continued to go down and other mountain peaks became visible. After another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat and released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the water had receded and it could find any dry ground. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground, so it returned to the boat, and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. After waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time the dove returned to him the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone, He waited another seven days, and he released the dove again, and this time it did not come back. Noah was now 601 years old. On the first day of the new year, ten and a half months after the flood began, the floodwaters had almost dried up from the earth. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Two more months went by, and at last the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, leave the boat, all of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurry along the ground so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. So Noah, his wife and sons and their wives left the boat. Noah and his family were on the boat for ten and a half months. And I'd have to imagine the first many weeks and months of their journey must have been pretty stressful. They were experiencing storms and rains that they had never seen or experienced before. Uh, They were zookeepers to two of every animal and thing on the planet Earth. That had to be a bit overwhelming. And then they were stuck in a confined space with only their immediate family for ten and a half months. That had to have led to a little extra stress and conflict. Don't believe me? Imagine going on a cruise with your family for ten and a half months and no one else. Now we're getting it. (laughs) But I have to imagine once the initial stress of the journey was over, they had established some boundaries and some rules and who was going to do what on their journey, they began to probably relax, knowing that they were in God's hands, that God had a plan for them, and everything was going to be okay because they trusted God. I think when we get into stressful situations in our lives or our own personal storms rise up and it seems to be all we can think about and all we can worry about, I think we fall into this trap and this temptations as human beings that we need to be doing something to fix it, that we just have to be active. We have to work hard to fix this problem and it's all up to us. But I think the story of Noah shows us that there are some things that we just can't control. And the best thing we can do is to show a little mercy and a little grace to ourselves 
and to just be present with God and just to float for a little while. A quote that I've heard quite frequently throughout my life is, preach the faith until you have it. And I think this sermon is one that I needed to hear myself today and my hope and my prayers that there's a word in here for you as well. For about the last month or so, I've been able to have a lot of conversations with new friends and old friends, with uh, people that I know well, and just folks I've struck up a random conversation with. And there seems to be a common thread, a common theme in all of these conversations, is that people are going through a lot of different storms in their own lives right now. I've talked with people who have recently lost a loved one that they weren't ready to say goodbye to yet. I've talked with people who have changes in their jobs or have lost their job and it's causing financial stress to them. I've talked to people who are fighting depression with everything they got. They just can't seem to take that next step. People who are willing to do anything to repair a broken relationship with a child or a grandchild but it's just not working. And there's been some bumps in my family's life the last few weeks that have really taken some hits at our foundation, and it's it's been frustrating. It's been challenging. But I keep thinking to myself, this is only a season. It's only a storm. Lots of things lately seem to be out of control. And we as humans, we love control. We love to be in charge. Let's read from chapter 9, the last bit of this story of Noah. We're going to start in verse 8. It says, Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants, and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all of the earth. And when I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds and I will remember my covenant with you and all the living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. The fifth and final thing that we can learn from Noah is that when we can put our total faith and our total trust in God, there's a rainbow always waiting. Whatever storm we might face, whatever season we're in, we can put our faith and our trust in God and know that there is hope. Because we worship and praise a God that has made a covenant with us, a covenant that lasts for eternity. And that doesn't mean that trouble won't come our way, but rather it gives us assurance that God is going to be with us in that trouble and be with us and never leave our side. So remember, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Don't listen to the critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. 
Third, build your future on a higher ground. Fourth, when you're stressed, float a while. And fifth, with God, there is always a rainbow waiting. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you that you are a covenant God, a God that has been here since the beginning and a God that is with us in this place this morning and a God that will never leave us. God, we thank you for providing for us, for keeping us safe, and we lift especially those in the hurricane's path on this day and the days to come. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.